Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. This week, the official podcast of the National Bank Open from Toronto. You can find us on Twitter at Matchpoint Can. We're on Instagram, Matchpoint Canada. And uh, Mike, we have to start with Rebecca Marino. Her impressive run did finally come to an end um, as she lost to Arena Sabalenka. We had a night match with Bianca Andrescu in Montreal against Anjabur. And in Toronto, uh, of course, no Canadian men left, but we still got some great tennis at the Aviva Center. Yeah, it's all over for the Canadians, unfortunately, this year between both tournaments. But at least in Montreal, they put up a pretty, pretty good effort. Rebecca Marino, what more can we say about her story? Um, making it to the third round for the first time in her career after all she's been through. Um, what a champion for Canada. What a, what a great role model for kids and, and anyone else who's facing adversity. And uh, no shame in going down to the number one seed, Arena Sabalenka, who took her out, unfortunately, in both singles and doubles on Thursday in Montreal. But I think we can both agree so much positivity for Rebecca moving forward from this experience. Yeah, yeah, such a, a great tournament for her moving forward, just learning a lot about her own level as well, and that she can compete with the best in the game, getting a pair of wins against, you know, top 30 type players, Rebecca, um, obviously the opening win against Madison Keys, and then to beat Paula Bedosa, who's having such a breakout season, um, she can gain a lot of momentum and confidence from this. So this was uh, terrific. Um, before we get to talking about the men's side, as well, we should mention a great guest lined up for this morning is American and Phenom, still just 17 years old, which is hard to believe. You had a chance to speak with Coco Goff. Yeah, this was one of those requests that I'm not going to lie. I put it out there and I never thought it was actually going to come back from the WTA with a thumbs up. So my thanks to them and, and Brian Shapiro in particular, who's running the comms team uh, in Montreal this week. So cool to get someone of her potential uh star power poise maturity mm -hmm. um incredible talent i mean there's just so much you can say about what she brings to the table and how much good she's going to do both on and off the court over the course of her career and super laid back and fun to talk to um and so i'm i'm really happy to share with our listeners right now my chat with coco goff Thanks, uh, Coco, for taking the time to join us today on Matchpoint Canada. Uh, it uh, doesn't happen too often that you get back-to-back -back opponents unable to compete, as you've had here in Montreal. What are the pros and cons of making the quarterfinals with less than three full sets under your belt at this point? Um, I mean, the biggest con of it all is just, like, unfortunately, you know, we're all, like, you know, all one big family on the WTA Tour, so seeing um, people that, you know, you know, having to withdraw, especially um, at the beginning of the hard court season, is not um, a fun thing to do. And I would much rather prefer to play someone healthy. Um, and another con is also, also like when most of the time you play these tournaments is to get more matches under your belt before the Grand Slam. So um, obviously it's unfortunate, but I guess one of the pros is that you know, less on your body and, and you, you probably are going to be fresher than whoever I play t tomorrow in the quarterfinals. Um, but yeah. You'll just have to have a deep run to get that match play you're looking for, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you're playing in Canada at the Banque Nationale event for the first time. Um, all the players are in a bubble. So of course, there's no real opportunity for you to get to experience and enjoy Montreal, unfortunately, as a city. But what's yeah. your impression so far of playing up here? And is there a different vibe in Canada than the United States, do you find? 
Oh uh, yeah, I definitely find um well here you know Canadians are known for being nice and it's definitely um you can definitely feel that vibe here. Um and also uh, the crowd even though it's not um full capacity they're actually pretty loud out there and pretty engaged in the match um even if you're not Canadian or not which you know you don't find that that often um and when you're playing in a, another country. Um but yeah and then we're, we're staying in I don't know we're right in the center of the city I would say and um every night we eat outside on the terrace and it's super nice um so my dad and i are always like i wish we could just go out and walk around because it seems like a nice city and and um, a very clean and nice city well you get to enjoy toronto next summer and then hopefully montreal two years from now and get the full experience when you're at a tournament like this um and you're only really on site for playing or practicing or back in the hotel room what are some of the things that you do to pass the time and, and not lose your mind due to boredom yeah, um, well, um, I play a lot of Uno with my dad. Um, here at this tournament, they actually have a game room, which is um, really nice. Not all the tournaments have it. Um, so we've been playing some Mario Kart and a little bit of like the race car games. Um, and then uh, a lot of reading and doing some homework and then also a lot of sitting around and FaceTiming people. Um, for me, at least when we're in the bubble, I try not to stay on site. I like to leave and go back to the hotel as soon as possible. I don't, I don't like to hang out around the courts. Um, that's pretty much every tournament I'm like that. So um, when I go back to the hotel, I guess it's just, you know, you're kind of more in your own space compared to with a lot of people. How competitive are those Uno games against your dad getting these days? Um, they're pretty com- com- pretty competitive. He's been claiming that I've been cheating, which I don't know how you do that in Uno. Um, but I let him believe that. I've been winning every night, though, since we've been in Canada. So hopefully that can continue on, on the Uno game and on the court. That's a claim that us dads like to make to our kids when we're not winning and getting our way. Yeah. Um, recently, you got asked on social media by Nick Curios about the prospect of teaming up in mixed doubles in January at the Aussie Open, which seems like still many, many months away from now. But you replied, of course, let's make it happen. Um, how much do you hope that that comes to be? And what do you think the experience would be to play with someone as entertaining as Nick? Uh, definitely would be really exciting. I mean, for me, mixed doubles is one of the most relaxed events in tennis. Um, it only happens really four times a year, maybe five times when the Olympics comes around. And I don't know, I've only played mixed doubles one other time. It was with my friend, Chris Eubanks. Um, so, I'm, I mean, if it were to happen to be super exciting, it was kind of, <laughs> I didn't think he would ask that, um, to be honest. Um, but him and, and Roger have been the people uh, that I always want to play mixed doubles with. And, um, you know, Roger was kind of already knew that probably would never happen. <laughs> um, so then Nick is uh, definitely um, close up there on the bucket list. So I'm, I'm hoping that it can happen. And hopefully um, there'll be a crowd there, too, because that's really what I'm excited about. Is, you know, yeah, playing with Nick Kyrgios in Australia with a huge crowd. They better probably- start selling those tickets now, I think. Those might go yeah. quickly. Yeah, um, it's probably something you can't make up. <laughs> Coco, tell me, if it weren't for professional tennis, what do you think you might have pursued as a path, either at school or uh, another potential career? Um, I don't know what I would do career-wise, um, but I do know that I've, I um, definitely would have wanted to attend college, um, either at another sport or um, or maybe just, actually, I for sure would want to do another sport because I like sports. Um, and I always thought, like, I, I don't know, I always saw myself either at UCLA or NYU. Um, or maybe at Howard University, those were like the three I could see myself like being on campus and going to. Um, and career-wise, career I don't know what I would do. I definitely want to be an entrepreneur. Um, 
but I feel like like every senior high schooler in the United States, we have no idea what we're going to do until like we actually go to college and time to fill out the applications. Um, so actually, I haven't really thought about it. Well, it sounds like your day job right now is keeping you quite busy. So I don't think you have to worry <laughs> yeah. too much about that. Uh, yeah. Before I let you go, um, being so young in the pro tour, there's still a lot of players you haven't faced in your career, although that yeah. list is getting smaller and smaller all the time. Is there a player on the WTA uh, who you haven't played yet that you'd really like to face? Um, definitely Serena Williams. Um, you know, she's been on my bucket list forever um, to play. And, she, you know, obviously one of my idols. I got to play Venus twice. So I'm hoping I can get Serena just one more time, just one time um, before she before she heads out. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, she that would be a dream match. And, and, and especially at a Grand Slam, that would be pretty cool. Well, hopefully the tennis gods are listening. We'd all love to see that match come to be. And hey, good luck the rest of the way in Montreal. And uh, it's been fantastic to see the start of your career on the court and off the court with all you've done already to advocate for others. So keep it up. We're really impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice one. There you go. My talk one-on-one with Coco Goff, who was just fantastic to speak with. And it's not often you make the quarterfinals of an event with only playing two full sets, but -hmm. that's what's happened for her, defeating Sevastova in the first round. Then she got a retirement from Potapova at five love in the first set in her next match, and then a total walkover against Joanna Conta, who withdrew with a left knee injury. So we've got a very fresh Coco Goff who's going into the quarterfinals today against Camila Georgie. That should be an exciting match to watch. Georgie, who took out uh, Petra Kvitova in her previous match, and um, yeah, just the poise from Coco Goff. You'd never think she was 17 when speaking to her. It's incredible. Yeah, and I, I think the poise has shown in her results, her consistent results. It was, you know, a couple of years ago now that we saw the true, I think, breakout for a lot of people was reaching the round of 16 at Wimbledon when she did so in 2019. But she's checked off so many boxes since then, of course, and breaking into the top 25, um, getting... WTA titles as well, quarterfinals at a Grand Slam and signals. Um, just doing that even at the French Open was was a ter- terrific result. She's been to the round of 16 again at Wimbledon um, just a few weeks ago. So she's been at a very, very steady ascent. And she's such a tough player to beat with her athleticism on the court. And as you mentioned, she's going to be very, very fresh as she gets set for a, a night match against Camilla Georgie, who for some might be a surprise quarterfinalist here, uh, but is capable of some big hitting and great tennis too. And when you talk about star power, I mean, after the Serena's, Venus's, Roger, Nadal end up retiring, who is going to carry this sport forward? Who is going to make up that huge gap that's going to exist, that void in terms of, you know, not just the marketing, but the fan appeal and all Mm -hmm. the accomplishments? It's going to be people like Coco Goff. And she gives me confidence that tennis is going to be okay, right? Yeah. And I'm sure people said it after McEnroe and Bjorn Borg walked away from tennis and Steffi Graf and Martina Navratilova retired. And for us, you know, after that Sampras and Agassi era, maybe there's always going to be someone else that comes along and it's going to be someone like Coco Goff, particularly on the women's side, who's going to do that. And she's got that crossover appeal too with uh, fans of men's tennis. Looks like she's going to partner with Nick Kyrgios, as she said, in mixed doubles in Australia, and that's going to make the Twitter universe go kaboom for sure. Um, And she's so chill about it, but excited about it all. And I also liked how much enthusiasm she has about potentially facing Serena Williams one day 
as she mentioned, that's the one player who she hasn't yet faced that she really, really wants to. Yeah, it's clearly a, a dream of hers. I, I really hope it can happen, of course, before Serena's career um, will eventually come to an end. We really have no idea when, but uh, I would love to see that matchup as well. Um, just reviewing a bit of the schedule on the women's side in Montreal quickly. Uh, Arena Sabalenka, who did defeat Rebecca Marino, gets an interesting quarterfinal, um, which will be at noon against Victoria Azarenka. I know you added, wanted to add one more thing, though. Well, just before we finish up with the women and move on to the men, we can't uh, forget, and I know it's tough on us because we're running on like zero sleep, but uh, we got to talk about Bianca and what happened with her late last night in Montreal. And it was late. She only walked in the press at midnight Mm -hmm. um, after her match, but she came in and and she was game, even though it wasn't where she wanted to be having to, you know, face the music after a tough loss and, and an injury as well. Another injury, unfortunately, but she did it, and she didn't pull any punches. She was quite candid about how she was feeling, and the frustration was very obvious from Bianca. Yeah, look, this was a tough three-setter. We knew going in, Ons Jabur, terrific player, super talented, had been coming off quarterfinals of Wimbledon, has had such a breakout year herself. Um, and so we expected, I think, a long, grueling match here. And that's essentially what we got. Bianca Andrescu did win this first set, 7-6. Um, and then it was 6-4, 6-1 six, six, uh, after that for Jabour. But um, another injury issue, which is going to have a lot of Canadian fans say, oh, no, not again. How are we going through this again? And um, that's kind of the vibe I got from her impressed of, like, how are we talking about injuries again? Why does this keep happening? Um, I, I guess the good report is it seems like a, a very minor one, a bruised toe, but there was a toe issue, and you, we've seen the shots of Jeb Burr coming over to the other side of the court, um, checking in on her. Great sportsmanship, by the way, from both of these players, especially their embrace at the net. And Bianca told her, well, you, since you beat me, now you got to go win the tournament, uh, which I thought was nice. But a very visibly frustrated Bianca as well, impressed, which I can fully understand um, having to answer questions to a loss and an injury and it being midnight. Yeah. And I don't even feel it was so much. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I don't even feel that it was so much that, that she had to answer questions about it. I felt just internally, she just couldn't believe that here we go again, that right. I'm having to deal with this yeah. yet again. And when she went down in the second set, it looked bad. It looked like she completely rolled her left ankle. Fortunately, it wasn't the ankle when she took her shoe off and the camera zoomed in. It was the toe that was requiring work and the toe was already taped up. So something that was clearly already bothering her. She said that if it wasn't Montreal, if it wasn't playing in Canada, that you know retirement might have been an option, but that there was no way she was going to retire in front of her hometown fans. And she gave it her best effort in the third set, but it did clearly visibly affect her movement and prevent her from being at her best at that stage of the match. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to take away from Anz Jabur, who was absolutely terrific. She just got better as the match went on. Some of her shots, it wouldn't have mattered in that third set, even with a healthy Bianca. She's one heck of a player. Um, and a player who in some ways has a similar game to Bianca because there's power, but there's so much depth and there's... Uh, so many there's the repertoire of shots with her too yeah yeah a lot of variety uh creativity on the court as well and um 
you, you can see why she's been having such an amazing season on tour. And now she's one of our quarterfinalists and uh, a lot of Tunisian supporters in the crowd as well. Um, absolutely love watching her and they'll get another night match with her later this evening in Montreal against uh, Jessica Pagula. I'll, I'll quickly do, uh, run down our matches on the women's side and then we'll get to Toronto. Uh, top seed Arena Sabalenka against Victoria Azarenka to kick things off on center court. That should be an awesome match. Uh, number four seed Carolina Pliskova is going to battle the Spaniard Sarah Cerebes Tormo, who's continuing her very impressive season. We mentioned Georgie against Goff, which is your first match of the night session at seven o'clock. That'll be followed by uh, Pagula against Ons Jabur. Um, you are listening to Matchpoint Canada. We will get to the men's side in Toronto and um, just recapping the action that we did see in day four. Um, a couple of our interviews, they did go down. Russian players um, losing yesterday. Not a surprise for Karen Hachinov to lose, of course, to uh, Stefano Tsitsipas, who's one of the favorites to win this event. I was a little bit surprised, though. Um, John Isner defeating Andre Rublev. I wanted that all-Russian final so bad. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. A Rublev-Hachinov final would have just made the podcast explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always fun when you talk to you know male or female players and then you see them go on a bit of a run. I mean, look, 99% of the players we talk to are, are awesome guests and they're so candid and forthcoming. And, and you want to you root for them on some level. You want to see them then do well. Um, and didn't work out for the Russians, unfortunately, yesterday. John Isner, holy smokes, haven't really, you know, had his name on my radar in quite some time. But uh, yeah, he moves forward with uh, another great serving display. And there's a couple of big servers who are left in the draw between him and fellow American Riley Opelka. I look at this draw and I, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate that we don't have Chapeau and Felix in there, any Canadian presence. But I like how this draw is shaping up. You've got your number one seed in Medvedev. You've got a couple of veteran guys like Isner and Monfils who are going to battle today. Another couple of young guns in Casper Ruud and Stefano Tsitsipas. I think it's got a little bit of everything that's left in there. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned, um, a couple veterans in there with Isner Monfils, the later match. Roberto Bautista Agut saved three uh, match points against Diego Schwartzman to advance. Um, so he's kind of toughing his way through the draw and is always a challenging out for anybody. I'm intrigued by the first match, Casper Ruud against Stefano Tsitsipas because um, we've spoken about the immense success Casper Ruud has had on the clay. And I spoke with him in the interview about this and just kind of trying to transition his game naturally to, to hard courts where he knows he has to be a bit more aggressive, has to play um, with not quite as much margin as he does on the clay, a little less spinny, a little more flat um, with the ball. And he's done a great job of that. He deserves a, a lot of credit because he played three consecutive clay court tournaments before coming over to Toronto. So um, he's already transitioned. He's transitioning that game beautifully well. And he's got a good sense of humor about it too, because after his win over Dusan Lajevic, he went and did the traditional signing of the camera and he rode hard courts with a smiley face underneath it. So he realizes that he's having this success and it's maybe proving some people wrong and a good confidence boost for him. He's going to have his hands full with CeCe Pass, who, yep. you know, to me is just the uh, overwhelming favorite now to once again make the finals here in Toronto based on his previous confidence and success in our city and also the way the draw is shaping up for him too here. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly true. I want to talk about the uh, match that will highlight the night session for me. Um, starting off at 7 o'clock is Danil Medvedev and Hubert Hercatch. And this is a very interesting one to me because these two played at Wimbledon not long ago and Hercatch beat him in the round of 16 in five sets. And then, of course, following round, took out Roger Federer to reach the semifinals. So Hercatch is a very, very tough customer. Um, I watched his night match um, against Basilashvili. He was down a set, promptly rallied, got things back on track. A lot of errors in the first set, but he didn't get down on himself. Very kind of um, level-headed demeanor at all times on the court. Not really the case with Danil Medvedev. We get a lot of highs and lows from him, especially if if he's losing, he can kind of break out into fits. So um, I'll find that matchup very compelling. We'll see if Medvedev can uh, square up that head-to-head at 1-1. Yeah, Medvedev is such a night match guy. I mean, that's the the kind of player that you want out there for those evening matches because you never know what's going to happen. And the entertainment value is certainly there, not just with the tennis, but with his uh, unique personality as well. And a great opportunity for fans to get to know uh, Hoover Hercatch, who's someone who, even though he's a top 10 seed, doesn't get the love and respect he deserves. We do recall there was that press conference uh, earlier in the season after he had such a great run in, uh, oh my goodness, my mind is drawing a blank right now. Uh, help me out here. But uh, Hercatch? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, he won Miami. Yeah, thank you very much. See, this is my, <laughs> my, my late, the late night effects are starting to get to me but where he went in for press and like nobody was there. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Someone who deserves a little bit more respect for sure. Definitely. And uh, you know, deeper runs in tournaments like this, this is where fans our Canadian fans are going to get to know these players and embrace these players. And so a good opportunity for, for him as well. I'm also excited by the prospect of the Isner Monfils match. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really sure how many rallies we're going to get there, but just a great chance for both of these veteran players to have a good run and get their confidence going ahead of the U S open. You and I were speaking the other night about what a struggle it's been for Monfils, and it's great to see such a performer, such a showman like him, having a great event here. Yeah, I think he really needed this, and uh, he seemed to gain a lot of energy from the crowd a couple nights ago um, when he picked up that first win of the tournament and uh, over John Millman, pardon me, in three sets. He had only had three tour wins all season going into that. So to run off consecutive wins here in Toronto, he's gaining some momentum. He beat Francis Tiafo yesterday. And this is a, a fascinating one because both these guys have been on tour for so, so long. They're head-to-head, 7-5 to five for Mofis. So these two have played a lot of matches, a lot of close matches, if you want to check into some of their scores. A lot of like tough three-setters, of course, a lot of tie breaks. So a bit of a flip of the coin in the second night match. Definitely worth staying for. And here we go. We're into the final eight on both the men's and the women's side. It's uh, almost the final weekend is upon us. And that means we've only got two more uh, special National Bank Open podcasts to go here uh, for them and for Tennis Canada. It's been a blast this week. Um, My body is going to enjoy the rest once we do reach the finish line. I think my wife and my kids are going to be happy when I get there too. Um, but it's been a ton of fun so far. We got to thank uh, the ATP and WTA for the great access they've been giving us, giving it Rublev, Hachinov, Rude, um, Coco Goff today as well, certainly. Hope you guys have been enjoying the listens. Uh, ben, I don't know about you, but so far it's living up to my expectations for sure, despite covering the event virtually this year. Yes, more than living up to the hype. And uh, thanks to all the organizers in both uh, Toronto and Montreal doing such a fantastic job with media relations, uh, getting us all that player access. We will leave it at there. Thanks uh, to Coco Goff, who's our guest today. You've been listening to Matchpoint Canada. We will talk to you next time. 
silently and listen to our thoughts.